Support for Innovation Hub comes from Cambridge Savings Bank. Introducing the CSB1 package, a checking account combined with investing through Connect Invest to help you build a better tomorrow. cambridgesavings.com/csb1. Welcome to Innovation Hub. I'm Kara Miller. One of the things that people talked about to some degree uh, during this campaign, but then a lot since it's been over, is the issue of how much bias factored in. How much did it matter, for example, that Hillary Clinton was a woman? And who did it matter to? There was also a long trail of racial comments that Donald Trump made during the campaign. Did those make a difference? Mazarin Banaji has done pioneering work looking at our implicit biases. So they're biases that we all have, but we don't necessarily know that we have them. She's a professor of psychology at Harvard and the co-author of Blind Spot, Hidden Biases of Good People. Mazarin, good to have you here. It's my pleasure, Cara. I think the results of this election surprised a lot of people. Did you have any sense from your work on implicit bias um, that a Trump victory was a real possibility? So when we saw the result uh, of the election, and we saw that it went against what many polls uh, were predicting, we of course have to ask some questions about why the result was what it was. For example, is it possible that the pollsters just did not do a good job? Were they not distinguishing between those who were going to vote and those who were not going to vote? Is it possible that people who said they were going to vote for Clinton actually voted for Trump? Mm Uh, because they didn't feel comfortable telling others that they were likely to vote for Trump. These are all possibilities, Mm -hmm. and we won't know that soon and perhaps uh, never. From the perspective of the research that I've done, I would say that in every mind there are two sides. Uh, The side of us that makes us aspire to do the right thing to evaluate candidates on the basis of merit, on experience, on the hard work they've done, and then evaluate who's going to be good for us, for the country, for our children, for the future. What the work that I've done shows is that we often set aside things that are in our own interest, Hmm. that we care not about the future of our planet, but about what we feel like today. And what this vote signals to me is that that more primitive side of our minds won out that we didn't care that we were dealing with a well-documented set of lies. That did not matter to us. And that's important. Why did it not matter to us? And I think it's because in moments of uncertainty, in moments when the world changes as fast as globalization and technology is making the world change, when it changes that fast, it unnerves us. Now, I imagine that everybody who voted in the election, no matter who they voted for, would tell you they voted for the person who would help their jobs, who would help their kids, who would help their world. So why is their interpretation of what they did so different from your interpretation of what they did? We can all disagree about things that are matters of opinion. And I think people believe that what they did here is express an opinion about who they thought was the better candidate. But you and I also know that there are things called facts. And as Senator Moynihan said a long time ago, everybody has a right to their own opinion, but not to their own facts. But because we disagree about what even the facts are, 
the two sides actually cannot speak to each other in this moment because we don't agree about the most fundamental facts. It, you and I, if we both agreed that climate change is happening and that humans are a part of what is causing climate change, you and I might disagree about the best solution to that problem. But if you and I do not agree about climate change itself, if I believe it's not happening and you believe it's happening, then we could not be having this conversation. Mm -hmm. you've, you've looked a lot at all sorts of studies that show that people very often look at women differently than they look at men. Very often that bias is not something that they're consciously aware of, but something that sort of slips in. And I should say, very importantly, women often have a bias against women, um, not just men against women. Do you think the fact that um, you know Hillary Clinton is a woman, that that factored in here to, you know, obviously, as you were saying, she was ahead in the polls going into this that didn't that didn't end up panning out is that a piece of this first of all you know as a scientist i should say that i can't say in any particular case like the clinton case whether implicit or explicit bias i mean maybe explicit bias playing a role we can actually measure we can ask people the question uh you know did you not vote for her because she was a woman and some small percentage of people probably will say yes right. but that percentage is so small it can't actually account for the outcome so let's say that explicit bias is not really the issue the question of implicit bias is very tricky because by its nature it is hidden and so we cannot say in any given case like this election whether it played a role, uh, and if it did, how much of a role mm -hmm. it played. But what we can say very clearly is that the research evidence shows that implicit bias does not favor women in the workplace. And so if you contrast the two sorts of views that we have of women, on the one hand, our attitudes, or our, our liking, our feeling of warmth about women, towards women, that's high. The research evidence shows that it's not that we don't like women. It is that our minds are unable to associate them with the concept of things like power and leadership. Hmm. And I think Hillary Clinton may have suffered from the fact that she actually represented power and leadership, a quality that women are not typically associated with. And perhaps as a result of that, she suffered on the warmth dimension, that people could not hmm. see her. Uh, as warm. I have to say that in this election, I was surprised by how little the gender question came up, how little the question of, is she fit to be president because she's a woman? It just did not come up that much directly. But we did see it come up indirectly in a variety of ways, right? She belongs to the very category of the people that he groped. She is the one, a couple years younger than him, who has to explain her stamina. So there were ways in which I think gender constantly uh, was in the shadows of the discussions that we were having, even though it wasn't explicitly there. And it made me, in a kind of a, a, a weird way, yearn for the early 80s when I worked on the campaign for Mondale and Ferraro. And I remember people explicitly saying that they would not want a female vice president. Hmm. And I almost felt a yearning for such a time when people were able to just tell us what they were thinking. I'm Kara Miller. I'm talking to Mazrin Banaji, a professor of psychology at Harvard and co-author of the book Blind Spot. 
One thing we really saw when you look at the breakdown of votes um, in the presidential race was that people were very split along race and class lines. So working class whites were overwhelmingly supporting Trump, but working class African-Americans were overwhelmingly supporting Clinton. Now, both candidates were white. So explain how you see voter bias playing in here. So let's just think about a phenomenon that I'll call something like Brexit Trump. <laughs> if we take <laughs> Brexit and Trump okay. and we create Brexit Trump, what accounts for Brexit Trump is a very interesting set of variables. So we know in Brexit, and I think very similarly here, if you just sort of draw a line down the middle of a page and write down the standard sort of social hierarchies of the groups that people belong to, or experiences that they've had. You know that more men than women voted for Brexit. You know that more native-born people in England voted for Brexit rather than foreign-born. Hmm. You know that people who lived in uh, the suburbs are more likely to have voted for Brexit than those who lived in the cities. Right. You know that the people who did not own a passport were more likely to vote for Brexit than those who owned a passport. I think if you do a similar analysis in this country, you will see it fall out pretty much exactly that way. Hmm. Occasionally, you'll see something a little bit interesting, such as something I heard yesterday, and that is that Hillary did not have the women's vote. She had the non-white women's vote, that white women are more or less equally likely to have voted for Trump and for Clinton. Right, so right. so you, you just have to put them all in a category, and if you go down the list, there is great consistency in what sits on the left column and what sits in the right column. Hmm. Okay, so we go forward. How do you think we navigate a country that's divided in the way that that you've talked about it being divided? Is there anything in your work, in others' work, um, that sort of suggests this way forward where we can sort of go beyond this natural tendency to say, well, you're like me, I'm going to stick with you? You know, we all, we should remember, first of all, that change is hard, that changes in the hierarchies of domination are always resisted. Changes um, in the face of evidence, even good evidence, is always questioned. And yet, we change, okay? People did believe that the earth was flat. People mostly no longer believe that the earth is flat. But that was not a simple victory. It may seem simple to us today mm -hmm. when we think about those poor primitive people who could not understand the evidence from the science and know that the earth may look flat, but it isn't flat. We laugh at people now who used to believe that the earth as a planet was at the center of the universe. But we killed people who told us that the Earth is not at the center of the universe based on the scientific evidence. And even today, we reject scientific evidence about the specialness of humans. Many people believe that human beings are such a special species that God chose them and put them on the planet for his pleasure. No amount of scientific evidence is going to change those minds. But change does happen because every new generation learns a little bit better and more than the previous generation. And so there are fewer people who don't believe in Darwin today than there would have been 50 years ago. 
And some institutions take very long. It took the Vatican 350 years to agree that Galileo was right. But eventually they did. Mm -hmm. So the question for us really is, how quickly can we come to the right answers? Not whether we will, because we will. It's just the slowness and the pain and the Sisyphean task of walking back to the bottom of the hill. I always think about the character of Sisyphus, that it's, the hard part is not the pushing the rock up the hill. The hard part is walking down the hill to meet the rock that has slipped down. And on the way down, you have to confront your own vulnerability. You have to confront the fact that this could happen again. Hmm. In, in some ways, your work is about knowing things about people's minds that they don't know about their minds. So, I mean, maybe in some sense you were... You knew things that the pollsters didn't know. Um, but was there anything that really surprised you? I guess I find it ironic um, that in this election, people said that they want change, that they're fed up with things staying the same in Washington. But I would argue that the, what they actually wanted was no change, that they are frightened of change. So exactly the opposite of what they say they were looking for is what they actually were looking for. I think immigration, business expansions across the globe, the entry of women into the workplace, I think the legalization of gay marriage, many, many civil rights advances. Hmm. These put the fear of God in people who see that their way of life is being taken away because change is happening. So don't tell me you want change because I don't think that the people who say they want change do. Hmm. And yet I believe change will happen. It will happen because of the students I see in my classroom. I believe it's gonna happen because of who I see on the streets. It will change because of who's the guard of my building. These are examples of change that's coming and nothing is going to stop that. Mazrin Banaji is the co-author of Blind Spot. Hidden Biases of Good People. She's also a professor of psychology at Harvard. Thank you so much. Thank you, Kara. On our website, we will have a link to some of Mazreen's work, as well as a link to a test that measures your implicit bias. And I can speak as someone who has taken this test, proceed with caution. From PRI and WGBH Radio, I'm Kara Miller, and this is Innovation Hub.